So my challenge this morning to you is this. Why not worship? Why not worship? Why not worship the God of the resurrection? Even though we may feel we're in the valley of dry and dead bones, even though we may feel like we're in tombs of darkness, why not go ahead and worship the God of resurrection? Why not lift up your hands and say, God, I believe, I believe, I believe that my situation can change. I believe that you can breathe life where there seems to be no life. I believe that you can give life when I'm in the tomb of darkness. I believe that you can turn my situation around and I'm going to worship the God of the resurrection because it's the God of the resurrection that will bring life into my mortal body. Oh, we're going we're gonna to be going through, uh, if you want to turn with me there to Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37. We've been going through the book uh, walking through the book of Ezekiel for the last six weeks, and uh, and even though even though it mostly relates to the nation of Israel and really to the city of Jerusalem, and uh, 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 the book of Ezekiel, uh, we ask the question. We 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 have asked the question: How would this book be relevant? Be relevant for you and I today? What can we learn? What can we learn from the book of Ezekiel since all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness? That's what uh, Timothy or Paul wrote to Timothy, that all Scripture, all Scripture is God-breathed. And what can we learn? And this book that we've been talking about, the book of Ezekiel, was written over a 20-year period while the Israelites were in exile. They had been taken captive and taken into Babylonia. And God asked, God speaks and asks Ezekiel to do some strange things to illustrate how the Israelites had departed from God had departed from him, their personal relationship with him, and he began to talk about the discipline to come and the destruction of Jerusalem. And we discovered that sin is a serious matter. And even today, sin is a serious matter. And the Bible makes it clear that all have sinned. No exception. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And since sin is a serious matter and all have sinned, we need to consider and take sin seriously. We don't need to take it lightly. We don't need just to overlook it and say, ah, oh, you know, it'll be all right. No, sin is a very serious matter. And even in our lives today, it bears consequences. That's important to know. Sin is serious and bears consequences. And we're seeing from the letter that God, or the book of Ezekiel, the prophecy, how serious this matter is. But we also have discovered that God is a loving, gracious, patient, and merciful God. But God, even though he's loving and he's kind and he's gracious and he's just and we can go on and you talk about all the characteristics of God, even though he's all of these things, God will discipline his children. 
He will discipline his children to bring them back into a right, loving relationship with himself. God doesn't discipline you because he's angry at you. He gets angry at sin. He gets angry at the enemy, but he's not angry at you, but he will discipline you to bring you back into a loving relationship with him. And this is what he's been doing to the nation of Israel and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. He's been trying to get them uh, back into the right relationship with him. And God, in, in this letter or this book, gives Ezekiel an illustration of a young girl that had been left abandoned and left for dead, and how that he nurtured her back to health and gave her all that she needed until she became of age. And when she became of age, he took her as his wife, talking or referring to Israel. But then, when God blessed her and gave her all the wonderful gifts and all the things that he did, Israel prostituted all of the things that God gave, prostituted them to other gods, gave them to other gods, worshiped other gods with the things that God had given them. And, and, and you know, that was kind of a, to me, a bleak or a sad story. But then Israel, or Ezekiel, I'm sorry, then Ezekiel begins to address the surrounding nations. He starts with Israel and Jerusalem, and he begins to address the surrounding nations and to let the nations of the world know, listen, I, I want you to know, not only does this concern my chosen people, but this concerns the entire world. That God really does care about you and I. That God really does care about the entire world and that God makes it clear that even though God had a covenant relationship with the children of Israel and God's intentions were to bless the entire world through the lineage of Abraham and through the lineage of the Israelites, God made it clear that I care about all of the world. I care about all of mankind. I don't care just about the Jews. I care about all the Gentiles as well, which is you and I. That God really cares about all of us. And that through the lineage of Abraham, the lineage of the Israelites, God was going to reveal his plan to redeem the whole world and bring forth his only begotten son into the world to save us. And then we find in Ezekiel, the 33rd chapter, where a man comes running to Ezekiel in Babylon, Babylonia and says that the city has fallen. And sure enough, sure enough, everything that Ezekiel had prophesied concerning Jerusalem and the temple of God had come to pass. It had fallen and the temple had been destroyed. And then in Ezekiel 34... Ezekiel again prophesies to Israel. And we talked about this week, this, this last week, how that God was going to, was prophesying or God was speaking to the children of Israel and to all of us. And he says, listen, I'm going to restore you. I'm going to bring forth a good shepherd talking about Jesus Christ and how last week we talked about Jesus Christ being the good shepherd and how that a shepherd nurtures and cares for his sheep and how that a shepherd uh, will, will lay down his life for those that are his, his sheep. And how that Jesus laid down his life. He was not, I'm telling you, Jesus was not murdered. 
He was not martyred. He laid down his life for you and I. He willingly gave it up so you and I could live. And, and, and so we've been going through this book. Well, this morning, I want us to look in Ezekiel, the 37th chapter. And I want you to look up here on the screen. We're going to show you a, a, a video, and I want you to listen to the words and just kind of get the sights and sounds of that video. Cole, if you would. The hand of the Lord was upon me. He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the voice of the Lord. I will make breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, and say to it, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life, and stood up on their feet, a vast army. It was found in Ezekiel, the 37th chapter. And what I want us to kind of look at today, I want to ask a few questions. So if you'll be patient with me this morning, I want you to listen carefully to these questions. And I want you to look or examine at your own personal life and maybe what's happened in the last even year and a half or two years. So let me ask you for a moment. Have you been on pins and needles with everything that is going on in the world? And if so, you're not alone. For almost, for almost the last two years, there is something that is new to all of us and not something that we have ever experienced before. I'm telling you, I'm almost 64 years old and I have never, ever in my life seen a time that you and I are living in today in America. I can't speak for the other parts of the world, but I can tell you in America, I have never seen a time as it is today. Even when I was a child, even during the 70s and, and all of that stuff, I've never seen a time as it is today. And there is no precedent for those of us who are living in the 21st century. There is no established response. And therefore, you and I find our emotions all over the board, do we not? One moment we're up, next moment we're down. I mean, it's just constantly up and down. We don't, we hear all the, all the news and uh, all the things going on in our country, all the things going on in our community, and our emotions are just all over the board. And we have discovered that our social structures are not impassable. Our social structures are not impassable. We aren't God. 
And that human-made security is but an illusion. If your security is in the things that you can see and the things that you can feel and the things that you know, I'm telling you, human security is nothing but an illusion. I mean, think about it. Two years ago, back in February, last February, a year ago, over a year ago, Think about it. We were going through the norms of life. We were going through the, the rituals. We were making vacation plans, spring break plans, and, and we were making all kinds of plans. And then in just a moment, I'm telling you, just a moment, everything came to a screeching halt. And we had never in our lives had seen anything like I've seen economic downturns. I've seen people laid off from work. I've seen those things, but we've never seen what we saw a year and a half ago. And to be honest, we didn't know how to respond. We didn't know what to take. And our security, all the things that we, we kind of built our security in began to fail. Have you been dealing with this crisis? Do you have hope? Or do you feel yourself giving in to fear and anxiety? And of course, in our passage this morning, in Ezekiel, the 37th chapter, you see the utter hopelessness of Israel kind of mirrors our situations. It was a very dark time for Israel. I mean, think about it. Everything that Israel had ever trusted, everything that they had given their lives, shape, and meaning was gone. Everything. I mean, they're exiled. They're exiled into Babylonia. They can't worship God like they used to worship God. They no longer, at this time, they no longer had the temple. It was annihilated. It was destroyed. Not one stone upon another. It was burned to the ground. The city, the holy city of Jerusalem was destroyed. Never, ever, ever had this happened. And everything they built their lives, everything that molded their lives, everything that shaped their lives had been destroyed. And in the lives of the Israelites, it was probably one of the darkest moments of their lives. I mean, Israel was not only in exile, but they were having a crisis of faith. And what could be worse? What dark night of the soul that must have been? Well, let me ask you, have you ever had a dark night of the soul? Have you ever had that dark night? Have you ever looked around at your life and your situation and seen nothing, metaphor, metaphorically speaking, of course, but a valley of dead and dry bones? Can you imagine Ezekiel's situation? God gives him this vision, and as far as he can see, all he sees is a valley of dry bones. I'm not talking about just bones. They are dead. They are dry. They are extreme. That's all he sees. Old, dead, dry bones. We're talking about old bones with no flesh. They've been exposed to the elements for God knows how long. And there is no life in them whatsoever. They are dead, dead. Where's the hope? Where's the life? What good can come from here? 
And how would you feel if you were in Ezekiel's situation? And maybe you are in Ezekiel's situation and you feel like you're in a dark night of the soul. And you feel like, what good, what effort, what, you feel like this is the, the most loneliest, darkest night I've ever experienced in my life. How would you feel? Or how do you feel? And then suddenly God is asking Ezekiel a question. Son of man, can these bones live? I mean, what would you say? I'll be honest. If I looked at that situation, I'm thinking there is nothing, nothing, nothing good going to come out of this. Nothing can come out of this that's good. Well, let me ask you this question this morning. Have you ever wanted to write someone off because you got so frustrated with them and the decisions that they were making in life? Have you ever said there's no hope for that person? They'll never change. They're never going to accept Jesus Christ. They will never get out of the mess that they're in. They are just going to keep doing what they are doing, whatever they are doing until they die. I give up. Now, that may not be you. But I'm going to have to be honest. There are times in my life I have felt that way. In ministry, in life in general, I just give up. I mean, they're going to keep doing what they're doing. They're going in a direction that's not going to do nothing but bring destruction in their life. I, I get so frustrated. I get aggravated. You know, they come to you and they ask advice. What would you do in this situation? You give them biblical counsel and they do the opposite of what you say. Now, you, you know, as a pastor, that, that's me. But even as a parent, do, do your kids ever do that? You, they, they, they come to you, you tell them what they need to do, what they ought to do, and, and, and they look at you like you've gone crazy. They don't communicate with you. I mean, have you ever, and you get so frustrated. Are they ever going to change? Or let me ask you this. How about a situation in your life? Do you ever think that what I'm doing is not bearing much fruit? I don't see anything good coming from all of my work and all of my effort. What's the use? I know I do. What about you? That's kind of like the situation Ezekiel is in. God's people are at the lowest of the lowest points in their entire history. They're in exile. They, things have hit rock bottom. And these dry bones, God is showing Ezekiel, is an image of their condition. Could things get any worse? They're dead. There's no life. All hope is gone. But God asked Ezekiel the question, can these bones live? And Ezekiel chooses faith over despair. And he answers God and says, Lord, Sovereign Lord, only you know. What a good answer. Only you know. I don't know. I don't have the answer. I, I, I don't know. But Lord, you know. Only you know. The story of Ezekiel reminds us that life itself is utterly and totally reliant upon God. 
I'm telling you, I love the song that we sing, that second song that we sing, that, that God is writing my story. God is writing your story. Even in the dark moments of life, God is writing your story. And I'm telling you, he's the alpha, he's the omega, he's in the middle. I'm telling you, he's at the very beginning of your life, he's at the very end of your life on this earth, he's in the middle, and God is writing your story. And even when you're in the dark moments of life, and there seems to be no hope, and there seems to be nothing gonna, good gonna come out of that, God says, listen, I have the power to breathe life into the dead bones. I love this. So it reminds me that life itself is utterly and totally relying upon God. It offers you and I a glimmer of hope, hope that God and God alone indeed brings new life even when things seem completely hopeless, completely dead. For absolutely nothing is impossible with God. You see, the valley of dry bones is such an image that seems so final, like it's the end of the road. It is sometimes hard to have hope in those moments. I don't know about you, but there's been moments in my life and moments in your life when it seems like there's no hope. We prayed for people, and it seems like there was no hope. I have a personal testimony this morning about what I saw two weeks ago with my mom. My mom is in the hospital. My mom has always been fairly healthy. She's had a few issues like any, uh, any of us do. But in the hospital there, I saw my mom literally gasping for breath. She didn't have COVID. Thank God she didn't have COVID. She didn't have COVID. But she literally lay in the hospital gasping, gasping for breath, just trying to breathe, just laboring to breathe. And, and you're thinking, God, if you don't do something, she's not going to live. I mean, I, I, I literally thought that. And, and, and I'm going to tell you, God just spoke to me and gave me peace. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. I knew it was going to be okay. But when you know it's going to be okay, and yet you're seeing your mom or your sibling or someone in your family gasping for breath, just laboring to get breath, trying to breathe the breath of life into them, you begin to question, well, is she going to make it? I know she's saved. I know she's going to heaven. I know she has a relationship with God. But I want to know, is she going to make it now? And you feel hopeless, and you begin to question and wonder. It's normal, and it's okay. It's okay to, to, to have those questions and, and those thoughts go through your mind, but don't dwell on those thoughts. You see, it's sometimes hard to have hope in these moments. You may have lost your job. And you feel like you're, gonna, you're going to lose due to the situation that's in our nation or our government or whatever. But here this morning, this passage, we find some real hints of our ultimate hope. Some of the first hints of the resurrection. And God instructs Ezekiel, and I want you to listen. He instructs Ezekiel and he says, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood upon their feet, a vast 
army. And so I want to share with you today this message of hope. These dry, dusty, brittle bones will be on life bones. And God says, speak to them. And your situation may look bleak. Your situation may not look very hopeful. The situation of our community, of our world, our nation, or whatever, it may kind of look bleak and very hopeless, but I want you to know God is all-powerful. God is sovereign. God has the power and the ability to breathe life into our dead situation. And we have to believe that. And God speaks and God says, prophesy. Prophesy to these bones. Prophesy to the wind. Prophesy. And, and I'm going to tell you something about the breath. The, the word breath there. The word breath is the same word that God used in Genesis, the, the second chapter, where he breathed life. He breathed the breath of life into man. And it's also the same word they use for spirit. God's Holy Spirit can breathe life into your situation where it seems so bleak and it seems hopeless and it seems lost and it seems so dark. I want you to know God has the power to speak life. The Holy Spirit has the power to breathe life into your situation and give you hope where there seems to be no hope. Oh, hallelujah. We see that absolutely nothing is impossible with God. And we see that no situation is beyond God's repair. And absolutely no life is beyond the possibility of redemption, salvation, and transformation. Just as God breathed new life into the valley, putting the lives of these dead people back together, God is always promising you and I new life. So my challenge this morning to you is this. Why not worship? Why not worship? Why not worship the God of the resurrection? Even though we may feel we're in the valley of dry and dead bones, even though we may feel like we're in tombs of darkness, why not go ahead and worship the God of resurrection? Why not lift up your hands and say, God, I believe, I believe, I believe that my situation can change. I believe that you can breathe life where there seems to be no life. I believe that you can can give life where when I'm in the tomb of darkness. I believe that you can turn my situation around and I'm going to worship the God of the resurrection because it's the God of the resurrection that will breathe life into my mortal body, into my situation, whatever I'm facing, whatever I'm going through. You see in John the 11th chapter, I love this story. It's the story of Lazarus and you that have probably heard this story over and over again. But Jesus is bidden by Martha. He who you love sick, come. Because they knew, they knew that Jesus was able to heal. They knew that Jesus was able to deliver him from the sickness that was encompassing his body. They knew, they knew that if Jesus were there, all he had to do was speak the words and he would be completely made whole. 
But instead, Jesus tarries and waits. He waits four days until Lazarus is dead. And he's not just died, he's dead, dead. He has been four days in the tomb. Apparently, when they sent word, Lazarus must have died right away because he waited four days. And Lazarus had been in the tomb four days when Jesus gets there. And Martha's kind of upset. Mary's really upset with Jesus. You could have saved him. You could have breathed life into him. You could have prevented him from dying. You could have prevented it. And, 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 and you know, and, 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 and so they felt that way. Do you know it's okay? But in John, the 11th chapter, Verse 21, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I even, but now, but I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection of the last day. You see, she didn't understand that Jesus was the God of resurrection. That God, that Jesus was the God of life. Oh, I know he'll raise, he'll be risen again on the last day of the resurrection. I know he's going to rise again. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live. Even though he dies. You've got to get that. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Well, you know, I, I just think about it. Whoever believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Well, my question will be, well, what about all the other people that died? You just said that whoever believes in me, whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Well, my brother believed in you and he died. And she responds, she says, thus the word she told him, I believe. Now notice what she says. I believe you are the Christ the son of God who has come into the world. She never said, I believe that I'll never die or that, he'll know, that you'll never die. I just believe you're the Christ. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister, and you can go on down. And finally, Jesus says, where'd you lay him? And Jesus goes to the tomb, and they're there. And Jesus, the Bible says in verse 38, Jesus once more deeply moved, came to the tomb, it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. He dead. He dead dead. He's worse than dead. He is stinking. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you if you believed you would see the glory of God. So they took away the stone. Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that I have heard, that you have heard me. 
I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The dead man came out, his hands and his feet wrapped in the strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. I love this story. I love this story. That God can breathe life even into the most difficult situation and offers us new hope, new life, a resurrected life. And I know that a lot of us, we have been in a kind of a dark season. We've been in a, in, in a tomb and we've been, you know, we've had glimpses of hope, you know, and all of this kind of stuff. But it seems like we have glimpses of hope and then all of a sudden it kind of fades and dims away and it goes back and, and just things are just not looking good. But I'm here to tell you that in your, the, the, most, the most darkest situation in your life, God can breathe life. Do you believe? Do you believe that whoever lives and believes in me will never die? What does that mean for me? What does that mean for me? I mean, I know I'm 64 years, almost 64 years old. I know that if God tarries, there's going to be a moment, there's going to be a time in my life that this body is going to give away. I mean, I, I, I'm telling you, I, I, I still do manual labor every once in a while, quite often, actually. And, and, and I, I can tell that I am not as strong as I used to be. It was nothing. It was nothing years ago for me to piss, pick, pick up a piece of bus duck. Now, most of you don't even have a clue what a piece of bus duck is. It's a piece of bus duck is, is a piece of duck work that has plates running through it that electricity flows through and and it was nothing for me to pick up a piece of duck work and throw a, a bus duck and throw it on my shoulder and carry it it was nothing for me to carry a piece of four inch galvanized pipe heavy and throw it on my shoulder and just carry there was nothing no big deal they say go get me a four inch piece of pipe i'd go and throw it on my shoulder and take it to them today i struggle I'm just going to be honest. I struggled. This morning, there was a 12-foot ladder in here. And, and, uh, and, 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 and so, 12-foot ladder, that used to be nothing. I folded that thing up. They were worshiping. They were practicing on the praise team. I folded that thing up, and I picked it up and threw it on my shoulder. Whoo. The reality is I know this body is dying. But yet Jesus says, if you live and you believe in me, you will never die. Do you believe this? I do. Because I absolutely believe, I absolutely believe that no matter how dark my situation, even if I face the moment of death or when I face the moment of death, I believe, I believe, I believe that the moment I take my last breath here on this place, I know that I'm going to take my first breath in the presence of mighty God. I'm going to live, I'm going to live, I'm going to live. Even though this body might die, I'm going to live forever. You see, that's my hope. 
That's my home today. I know that this is not all there is to life. If this is all there is to life, we are of all men most miserable. But this is not all there is to life. God is eternal. My soul is eternal. Your soul's eternal. We were made to live for eternity with God in paradise. What a hope. And even in this life, God breathes hope in my dark situation. But you know what I got to do? I got to breathe in. Breathe in. Breathe in. Breathe in what? Breathe in the breath of God. When it's dark, when it's gloomy, when it looks bad, I'm telling you, start breathing in the Spirit of God because the Spirit of God gives life in the darkest moments that you face. I'm going to tell a story of my mom. I hope it's okay, mom. I'll ask forgiveness if it's not. My mom was in the hospital. I'm so glad my mom's well and back. I am so thankful. But I, I, I went to the hospital. They uh, allowed me. She was in ICU, and they allowed me to go up there and to the hospital and see her and sit with her and everything. And uh, so I went up to the hospital one day, and my mom was really having a rough day. In fact, it was probably the roughest day that I've ever seen. And she was really struggling breathing, really struggling breathing. And so I walk up to the door, and, you know, you have to mask up and, and do all that stuff, you know. And so I put in gloves on, and the, the nurse comes up to me and says, <laughs> your mom is a little stubborn. And I said, I know that. <laughs> you don't know that, but I know that. She said, she's a little stubborn. Could you please talk to her and tell her to breathe? Tell her to breathe. Get her to breathe. Just go in there and tell her to breathe, to take deep breaths of air. I said, I can do that. And so I go in there, and as I'm going in there, I, 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 I go in there, and, and she's gasping. She's gasping. She's breathing hard. She's laboring to breathe. And I said, Mom, I said, breathe deep. And I'm trying to teach her like, I, she's, like I'm doing, what is that thing when you do, uh, yeah, Lamaze. You know, like you're getting ready to have a baby, you know. Breathe. You can't breathe deep. And you, you practice. You breathe deep, you know. So I, I practice this Lamaze thing, and, and I know how to breathe. And so I'm telling my mom, I said, Mom, breathe deep. And I'm showing her how to breathe. I said, take deep breaths. Take deep breaths, Mom. Take deep breaths. And my mom would take two deep breaths, and she would take two breaths, and then she would stop and start talking. She didn't get all her words in. So nobody's been in the room. And so she would start talking. And I said, Mom, breathe. Breathe deep. And I would say, breathe deep, Mom. Breathe deep, Mom. And she would take a couple of breaths, and she, she'd breathe deep. And then she'd start talking again. I mean, she'd just go to talking. And I said, Mom. I've never told my mom to hush before. I said, Mom, hush. Breathe. <laughs> And you know something? She hushed, and she began to breathe deep. And all of a sudden, I was watching the oxygen on the monitor, and it began to go up. And I said, keep breathing, Mom. Keep breathing, Mom. Keep breathing. And then all of a sudden, she began to breathe. You know, I think, and I use that illustration, 
Because I think there's times in our lives when we're in dark moments, when we're in gloomy situations, when things don't look so hopeful, that at that moment we need to pause and not focus on the darkness and not focus on the chaos and not focus on the losses and not focus on all the things that are going on around us, that we really need to pause and just breathe in the Spirit of God and breathe deep the Spirit of God. Can these bones live? I'm here to tell you I believe that your situation can come back to life. That what seems so dead and so sobering and so dark and bleak and gloomy, I believe that the God can breathe into that situation. He can breathe the breath of life. He can breathe new life. He can resurrect whatever is dead. Whatever is dead, he can resurrect it. And all we need to do is, God, I'm going to worship you. I'm going to breathe in your presence. I'm going to breathe in your spirit. I'm going to pause and I'm not going to focus on the dry bones. I'm not going to focus on my chaos. I'm not going to focus, but Lord, I'm going to worship you. You're the resurrected king. You're the mighty God. You're the giver of life. You're the hope of life. And Lord, I'm going to choose in this moment to worship and take a pause and uh, breathe deeply, breathe deeply into your presence because it's your presence, it's your spirit that truly gives life. And we need to do that. We just need to breathe deep as we worship the resurrected king, the one who conquered death, hell, and even the grave. Because I'm going to tell you today, death may take this body, but death will not hold this body. And I tell you, if I take my last breath here on earth, I'm taking my first breath in heaven. I'm telling you what, I will not die. I will live for eternity. I will live forever. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. He who believes in me will never die. They will live. He wasn't talking about the physical mortal body. He was talking about your spirit. Because the reality, if you go back and look for Lazarus, you'll find that he died again. You'll find that Mary and Martha died. You'll find that every disciple died. You'll find that every one of them went to the grave. But I'm telling you, everyone that went to the grave, they didn't die. They just took their first breath in heaven. Do you remember the story of, the, I believe it is a rich man that, that uh, you know, he went to, he died. He went into the arms of Abraham, the bosom of Abraham. He went into the presence of God. And the rich man died and he in hell, he lifted up his eyes and he saw the rich man, or the poor man, excuse me, he saw the poor man in the presence of God in Abraham's arms. You see, we're going to live forever somewhere. We're going to live forever somewhere. But if you choose life, if you choose Jesus, the hope is that even if you die physically, you're going to live forever in paradise with God. That's the hope that I have today. I know that my security is not in this world. It's not in my retirement, my 40, what's that, 403B, is that what they call it? 403B. My hope 
And my security is in Jesus Christ and in him and him alone. I want to ask you, whatever's going on in your life at this moment, would you be intentional to pause and begin to, God, I believe in you. I believe that I will live, even though I die, I will live forever. God, I believe. I believe that in the darkest moment of my life, you can breathe new life. I believe, Lord, that the person that I've been working with trying to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, trying to get them to trans, be transformed by you, I believe, God, that you can change them even in their darkest moment. I believe that. So I'm not giving up. I'm going to keep speaking life. I'm going to speak speaking life. I'm going to keep breathing life. I'm going to breathe the Holy Spirit in, and I'm going to worship you because I believe that you're going to save. Listen, folks, never give up. Never, as long as there's breath, there's hope. Never, ever, ever give up. God has the power to change them and breathe life even in the darkest moment that they're in. That's the God I serve. So today we can choose to look at the valley of dry bones and we can ask the question, or God will ask you the question, can these bones live? I want to say, not like Ezekiel, you know, Lord. I want to say, yes. Yes, because I serve a resurrecting God. I serve a God that has the power and the ability to breathe life into any dead situation. I believe that with all my heart. And I believe that God is still a God of life. And even in my darkest moment, your darkest moment, I believe that we can speak life. So I want you to pause for just a moment and the praise team, Mason, you and the praise team comes. What's your dark moment today? What's in your life today? What are you facing? What are you going through? What seems to be sucking the joy out of your life? Would you just kind of Put that on hold and not focus on that. But would you realign your focus upon the resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ, who has the ability and the power to breathe into your dead situation new life? New life. Because I'm going to tell you as a church, we need new life. I'm telling you as a community, we need new life. As a nation, we need new life. And as dark as it may seem and as dark as it may look, I still believe that I serve a resurrected Savior, a resurrecting God that can breathe new life. Do I believe these dry bones can live? Yes, I believe that God will bring life if we'll just worship Him. Surrender our lives to Him. And I don't know where you may be at this moment, but if you're in a dark moment in your life and you think, oh, I don't know if my life will ever turn around, I'm telling you today, your life can turn around. God will turn your life around if you will just begin to breathe in His Holy Spirit. 
You'll begin to breathe in, Jesus Christ, Lord, I believe. I believe that you died for my sin. I believe that you gave your life so I could live. I believe that what you did was enough for me on the cross. Lord, I believe and I accept you as my life. The Bible says no one, no one will ever separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Would you stand? I want us just to kind of close our eyes and I don't want you to so much reflect on the past as I want you to begin to focus on the breath of life. Can these dry bones live? I say yes. They can live. My God has the power to bring life even into a dead situation. God, my God can do that. Father God, I pray that you would speak today. God, I pray that instead of this dark, gloomy message that we've been hearing, God, that we'll begin to see that you want to breathe life. You want to breathe life into this community. You want to breathe life into this church. You want to breathe life into the individual life, Lord. You want to breathe life into our nation again, God. You want to breathe life into the world in which we live, God. And if we will just refocus, refocus our attention upon you, God, and begin to breathe you in. God, even in the dark moments, God, if we would just begin to breathe you in, your Holy Spirit, he will change everything and make everything brand new. He will cause us to be born again, new life from dead. So God, I pray that you speak right where we're at into our situation and that we will no longer look at the gloom and doom and the darkness and the valley of dead bones, but God, that we'll begin to look to you, that we'll lift our hands in worship and say, Lord, I surrender my all to you. I'm going to breathe you in today. I'm going to breathe you in. I'm going to breathe your word in. I'm going to breathe your spirit in. I'm going to breathe you because you and you alone have the power to give life in my dead situation. God, I believe that today. So I'm going to breathe you in. God, speak to our hearts today. God, if there's one that doesn't know you, God, may they receive you as the Lord and Savior today. God, may they allow you to breathe life into them and their situation. God, for the rest, God, whether we're going through a dark moment in our life, God, help us not to look at the dark, but Lord, help us to breathe you in this morning. Breathe in the gift of life that you're wanting to give to all of us today. God, speak to our hearts. I ask it in your name, Jesus. This altar's open. If you'd like to pray, I'd love to pray with you today. The praise team is going to lead us in a course. And as a worshiping you lead, I want us to pray. I want us to, to pause for a moment and breathe in the breath of the Holy Spirit today into our lives. Would you lead us? Thanks for listening to the St. Mary's Church Podcast. If you made a decision to follow Jesus today or have more questions about following Jesus, we have pastors who want to talk with you. Connect with us at stmaryschurch.net or through social media on Facebook or Instagram. We can't wait to hear what Jesus is doing in you.